I'm Christian Yang, and on today's show, how Calvin Hang went from working at Panda Express to helping his wife build Honeybell, and how he used that experience to grow and create his own food brand and online food festival. Growing up in an Asian household can be difficult. Taking risks and betting on yourself is something that's shunned on. But when you meet the love of your life and don't love what you're doing every day, taking risks to grow with them seems a whole lot better than the alternative. Our guest today, Kelvin Hang, did exactly that even when everyone around him told him not to. Had Kelvin listened to them, he wouldn't have been able to be on the journey that he is on today in building Honeybell with his wife, building Golden Marrow, and Food Fest Live. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Christian back here with another episode of the Expect Asians podcast. I'm here with uh, a guy that I just recently met. His name is Calvin Hank. Yeah, we met just recently through uh, one of one of the new groups, uh, the Asian Hustle Network group, and uh, he kind of just reached out to me because he's involved in that group, and I thought that group was amazing. And Kelvin does a lot of amazing stuff as well with his businesses, which we'll kind of dig into in a bit. But uh, we'll let uh, Kelvin. How are you? How are you dealing with everything? I know the world is at a crazy time right now, but how are you, how are you and your family holding up? Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> it's been, it's been a ride. It's been a ride for sure. Uh, 2020 has been a year of growth um, and, and leadership and, and a lot of learning. Um, but my, you know, my family, they're, they're going through the, the struggles. Yeah. My, my parents are really, really like, uh, taking a hit through, through COVID. Um, but more recently, um, my sister and my siblings and I really are starting to see like what needs to be done, uh, to support them, uh, through these times. So a lot of growth for sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy time for sure. There's a lot of adapting and pivoting. And it's time for everybody. So, um, but I th- it'll make us better. Uh, and hopefully. yeah. Um, so yeah, let's kind of dig into, I mean, I didn't really introduce you too much. Um, obviously you have a couple of different businesses. Uh, I think you and your wife started Honeybell before your other one, correct? Yeah. 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 Honeybell was, was tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm 27 year old, uh, who we started our, uh, skincare business Honeybell uh when back in 2015 so I think we were about 23 years old uh, with no business or career experience and um we were pretty much paving the way for self-care uh but at that time we didn't know what we were doing we were you know for me at least I was supporting Iris who was my girlfriend at the time but now fiance uh in her dreams Mm -hmm. and uh just a support system you know we we grew Honeybell from the kitchen to working with retailers such as Urban Outfitters, CVS, Kohl's, uh, Forever 21, and and featured on like uh, various magazines. So that was Honeybell. We we really just bootstrapped everything, took it from a kitchen and into those retailers. Uh, four years later, this was 2019. We ever since getting into business, we've always traveled and, and really enjoyed food. And uh, 2019 was when we saw that we really experienced all these restaurants that, that served bone marrow. And we, we noticed that bone marrow was only served one way and it was like salt and pepper. And mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed bone marrow. I didn't enjoy spending the, the $150, $200 on one meal for two yeah. people yep. uh, at these fancy restaurants. And 
uh, it, it just took one more restaurant uh, up in Portland when we we're up there for a trade show to to just have us be like, okay, you know what? We're gonna do food next year, and uh, it's gonna be bone marrow. Mm-hmm. We're 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 we love it. Um, it's it's amazing, I, and I think and I at that time I was like, I think this 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 is pretty pretty affordable, uh, and and um, so we launched the Golden Marrow uh, back in 2019 in May, and within seven months, uh, we're able to be featured on LA Times. OC registry, a few other articles as well. A Chicago Magazine found us as well. Uh, so those are the two main uh, businesses right now um, that I have that that we're working on. And we just launched uh, Food Fest Live, which I saw that. is a yep. yeah, it's a virtual food festival that during this time really it just boosted out out of a conversation uh, early April during the midst of COVID. You know, it was mm-hmm. me and my buddy Alan who we were just sharing about how all these restaurants uh, with our favorite restaurants just being affected, being shut down indefinitely. So uh, since that conversation, we we're able to uh, have a t- get a team of 11 and, and just work passionately to give back to the community. And we just launched the event. We had our first event yesterday um, and we have four more events this weekend. Uh, to support our local favorite restaurants, and this is going to be something that possibly uh, are in the in the future to go global as well. Yeah, yeah, that's super dope. I think th- I thought that was a super cool idea because you know there's a lot of things that, like especially out in your area, we don't have too many like food festivals or anything like that mm-hmm. or like pop ups. But especially in your area, um, there's a lot of places that you know I'm sure a lot of people around there kind of look forward to every year getting that type of stuff. I mean, I think the biggest one we have here is the Minnesota State Fair which is pretty much mm. the biggest safe here in the, in the, in the nation. But, you know, I'm, yeah. we're going to miss out on a lot of those foods, you know, um, you, every year we wait for that just to be able to get those foods, you know? So I think that food fest live, I think that's dope um, to be able to have that. Cause I mean, just even the community that I'm in, we're looking for ways for like state fair food. Like people are like, where's the state fair food at? Are mm. going to pull up and uh, just have some little pop-ups for people to drive by and drive through kind of like a food truck. So um, yeah, I think that's a super dope idea um, because of the the opportunity there, which is, you know, just getting people stuff that they don't get to get. They aren't going to be able yeah. to get this, this time of the year anymore. Yeah. Dope. dope. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Yeah. So that's exactly kind of the pivot that we did for Golden Marrow. Uh, when we came back from India in March, um, all the events and pop-ups are all canceled or postponed. Mm-hmm. So we we're just seeing like, how are we supposed to grow with this track record that we yeah. have from just launching last year? You know, how can we really make an impact to the community right now? So when we got back from India, we were out there on a medical mission uh, with the Tibetan monks came back and, uh, you know, came into a completely different world. Yeah. And, uh, we saw, yeah, we saw people really uh, confronted by all, like everything that was going on, and we we just came back from service. So you know, how can we still serve the community? So that was when we pivoted, uh, froze our bone marrows, prepackaged them, closed them up, put them in the oven, tried it, and uh, it's easy to make. And we offered at home bone marrow kits that we. Um, that 100% of the proceeds went to our first line 
responders, our, our healthcare workers, and uh, LA Fire Department. So yeah. that took a turn and just took our business to that next level and turning an events pop ups company into a um, e commerce business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, actually, I mean, me and you connected probably like early March before all this COVID stuff went up, went down. And then mm -hmm. I saw you guys on your trip and I was like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm back to like a wholly different reality pretty much, you know? And so, yeah, I yeah. Pivot and I, I didn't know what was going on. We, yeah. Yeah. We didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it, uh, because we were out of the country, we only kind of got uh, uh, global news. Yeah. Global, not like back not at home to, where everything was shutting yeah. down and yep. schools were, you know, we were just like in our own world over there. You know, everything, <laughs> it, it's amazing because they have, they don't have anything, but they have everything in life. You know I mean? They're so fulfilled and content with what they had. And because we were in that realm and in, in the proximity uh, of these monks, you know, we were living that life too, but also acknowledging that a lot of stuff was going on. Yeah. We did acknowledge that too, but we also were like, we're here and we're here for 18 days. So let's focus on the people here and why we're here. When did you figure out like COVID was really hitting back home? Um, were you in the security um, or what was it? No. So in India, everything was, was pretty good. We were up in the mountains uh, where not a lot of people or tourists go, go to. Yeah. Um, but it was more towards the end. Uh, no, uh, maybe like eight, seven, seven, eight days in when, uh, borders started closing down. Yeah. Uh, we had to, we had to change our plans because Bhutan, uh, closed down their borders to, uh, foreigners yep. and, uh, our medical mission got shut down a couple of days earlier because the government said, we don't want anyone coming up here. Yep. So that was when we uh, knew a little bit that, Oh, this is pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy, man. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's uh, a that <laughs> yeah, that kind of that's like a curveball. Um, but yeah, yeah, you you guys dealt with it well. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit here. I like to kind of dig into uh, kind of the foundation of everybody that interview. So like, tell us a little bit about like your childhood and you growing up. Like, what was that like? Were you always someone that just was ambitious and wanted to start businesses? What was that kind of like for you? your childhood yeah yeah man uh my friend would remember me i I'm, I'm still good friends with a friend that we went to elementary up to college and he would just remember me uh he was one of my customers for uh, uh shoe cleaning so i mean this was like in sixth grade or something where my mom took me to foot locker to purchase uh, back to school stuff. And uh, I purchased a shoe cleaner, brought that shoe cleaner to school and cleaned people's shoes for 25 to 50 cents uh, per pair. And uh, I know that there are definitely memories earlier than that, that, you know, as, as I continue to grow, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up. But I think that's the earliest memory of me and, and my hustle days. And uh, from sixth grade, going to seventh, eighth grade, everything from candy, uh, to anything that my parents were able to bring back from China. Mm -hmm. And uh, these were anything from lanyards to shoes uh, to pieces of clothing um, all the way up until high school. You know, I, mm -hmm. I got in trouble. Uh, I was 
the I want to say a typical Asian because this, you know, you're out in Minnesota, so I don't know what a typical Asian <laughs> is, but I grew up in a suburban area where yeah, there were a same. lot of Asians and, same. you know, and I grew up with, uh, uh, Asian communities. So, you know, okay. outside that bubble, I didn't, I didn't really see what else was going on yeah. because my whole world was, you know, quote unquote, perfect. I still had my, my demons and, and, uh, my uh, physical abuse from parents, uh, their old school mentality. But um, yeah, you know, just like, uh, just got in trouble, got suspended a few times, um, you know, hang out with uh, the bad crowds, but never really got into uh, the bad crowds, but hung out with them. And um, yeah, just selling shirts from Chinatown, purchasing shirts and bringing them back home, selling shirts, selling shoes, uh, it was always that hustle, the, the hustle of just selling things, but never, never a brand. I never, yep. I never understood the concept of branding and marketing because yep. as uh, an Asian growing up, uh, my parents are both in business and, and their business model is, I can say the typical Asian business model where it's the brick and mortar. They don't have uh, the customer service. My dad does everything from shipping. He does everything from customer service online. He does everything from customer service in person yep. and uh, inventory and all that. And uh, that's the old school way, you know, and I, and I saw that and that was my mentality of like, okay, that's how you do business. Let's just yep. buy a lot of things and sell it and, and we'll profit. But it wasn't until uh, graduating college and uh, dating Iris and her pursuing Honeybell and, and just pursuing this brand uh, that I saw like, okay, you know, it's, it's creating the brand. It's creating this identity that people vibe with, that people can really resonate with and support. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit uh, of the background uh, on my childhood. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, so pretty much you were always kind of just someone that is just a hustler straight up. Uh, and obviously you, you've grown into developing yourself as, as a hustler or slash entrepreneur, which is, which is great. But I think, what's important there to understand is like, you've always just thought about like, how do, how do, how can I hustle? How can I get my own? Which, which is dope. Um, talk, talk a little bit about like, so I saw this one time you posted on the, the Asian hustle network group where you posted like a text message exchange where before you started honey bill, you know, you were getting some, some, uh, some feedback. Talk a little bit, a little bit about that struggle. Cause I think that that jump right there is where a lot of people get stuck at. Um, because it, it's scary and it's scary from jumping from what's comfortable and what's accepted by everybody else to jumping to something that's, that's new and that's unknown. Talk a little bit about that jump and, uh, what your parents were saying, what your friends, all that type of stuff. Like talk a little bit uh, about that experience. Yeah. So I'll give you an up, uh, the, the listeners, a, um, some background context. So on my Instagram, which is Calvin D hang, uh, I post this photo of a text message from one of my buddies and he, he's a buddy from middle school, high school and, uh, and a roommate in college as well. And, you know, he, as friends growing up, he has his best interests in, 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 in me, you know, and I, I really got that. Um, but with that text message, it, it was pretty much saying, you know, that he did not support uh, me letting go of my job at, at that time, Panda Express, I was becoming a manager to let go of that and jump into uh, a brand that was created 
by, by my fiance, Honeybell. And uh, he shared with me that, yeah, I, I usually take the easy way out, you know, and, and that's something that I saw for myself later on, like, wow, you know, I did take the easy way out. Um, at that time, it was, I think, week nine of my training out of the 10 weeks program. And uh, throughout my entire life from middle school, high school and, and, and college, I, I made a lot of friends. I was really great at making friends uh, that supported me in my classes. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about like test taking, homeworks mm -hmm. and everything like that. So um, I couldn't do that with Panda. You know, it was a week yeah. until my test where, where we were going to test on uh, inventory, on cooking and recipes and all that. And I had no one to cheat off of. I had no one to support me. There were going to be yeah. three or four managers watching me cook. And I was like, holy crap, I'm not ready for this. Mm -hmm. So I found the perfect opportunity and I quit. And that was, you know, I look back, I was like, wow, you know, I took the easy way out. Sure. And I'm glad that I, was, I saw that. But uh, yeah, so he shared that with me. And I just kind of uh, definitely disregarded it. And I just went with it. And I and I believe in Iris. And I believe that whatever she did, uh, would really not only grow herself, but grow us as as a couple and grow the company as well. You know, I, I never thought that this would be something that could come out of a kitchen and land on CBS's shelves or Urban Outfitters or or Forever 21. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I definitely can see as an entrepreneur or as someone that wants to pave their own path, uh, that they would get a lot of these types of messages, not only from friends, but from family. Mm -hmm. Because up until maybe three, four years in, uh, my family actually sees the growth and sees that this is something that we're going to pursue uh, no matter what happens. When we come back in just a moment, we'll hear more about Calvin Hang's journey in growing Golden Marrow, how it started, and also how they're dealing with the global pandemic. Stay with us. I'm Christian Yang, and you're listening to the Expect Asians podcast from 81st F. Welcome back to the Expect Asians podcast. My guest today is Kelvin Hang, who decided to create a whole new business with his wife on top of their skincare empire, Honeybell. Dope, yeah. man. I, I think that that's a, that's a that's a great story. Um, to be able to hear because um, sometimes I don't know you may just not feel like you're meant for this and something else is just pulling you in that direction you know so that's dope yeah. to talk a little bit about uh, so you you and your fiance at the time now wife how did you guys meet how did that all go down yeah so uh, we met in college we were I was in a fraternity she was in a sorority so we partied pretty much uh, in our college years but we yeah. we met at, you know, here and there, past by parties. We'll call, uh, we'll go to real quick. Sorry. I went to UC Riverside and okay. then she went to UC Santa Barbara. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up uh, dating in our fourth year and that was still within our party phase. And um, we partied, grew, grew from that. And right after college, we kind of just, saw what we were doing and spending money at the clubs and we didn't want to do that anymore. So we sure. ended up just, you know, yeah, she, she was actually dealing with a bad breakup. So she poured a lot of her energy into Honeybell. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, her story is phenomenal. Yeah, she was she was in a bad breakup that um, her ex boyfriend got incarcer- incarcerated uh, like seven times within within like an eight month time frame. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it put her in this position where her her mind was at ease and and peace when when she was just mixing uh, lotions together in in her kitchen. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the beginning stages of creating Honeybell. Uh, pouring energy into something else that she didn't have and uh, me supporting her. And from there, from her kitchen, you know, she stopped answering my text messages and, and my phone calls at one point where I just came over and supported her in whatever she needed. And that kind of uh, grew both of us yeah. in terms of uh, myself just uh, working on production while she was able to work on the outreach and, and social media and, and cl- like building a brand. Gotcha. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah okay cool so from there you guys kind of built that bond and then things just kind of happened i guess Mm. yes i've been 10 years since no not 10 years seven years seven years wow since we've been dating yeah cool cool that's awesome man um i saw that you guys were on uh the entrepreneur show called elevator pitch i thought that was really Mm. dope um talk to us a little bit about that experience there i mean that can be kind of nerve-wracking for those that don't know what elevator pitch is it's pretty much like a shark tank type of show but hosted by entrepreneur which is a media company slash magazine yeah 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 um we you know with that we we actually applied for shark tank twice we got to the final round before the actual uh tv part of it Mm -hmm. and we were casted by the same producer uh, but I think at that time we just weren't ready uh, to take it on. But we ended up working with uh, El- Entrepreneur Elevator Pitch, where um, that that day we went, I could I could remember we were stuck in this little warehouse where it was just like I think 80 degrees. It like they they put a bunch of participants in this in this waiting room, yeah, uh, where it's just super hot. <laughs> and uh, just waiting for us to get called into this room uh, uh, with with uh, these judges. Yeah. And we went in, you know, I, I was very confident that we were going to get into the boardroom and actually talk to the, talk to the judges. And uh, at this time when we were waiting there, prior to our first entrepreneur elevator pitch, we said we weren't going to take the deal. We were just going to go in, see – you know, how much we can get and then say no. Yeah. It wasn't until another participant uh, came over. We started, we ended up talking and uh, his name is Ravi and he's, uh, he has a lot of experience in the tech industry up in, up in Silicon Valley. And he shared with us that why say no when you're in there, just say yes. And let's see where the opportunity, you know, happens after. Yeah. Because when you say yes on camera, it doesn't mean that anything's finalized. Yeah. You still have to, you know, uh, do all the paperwork and everything. So we ended up, you know, going in, we pitched, uh, they, they all said yes for the judges said yes to, to come on in. Uh, we pitched our business. We went back and forth maybe three times. And I think we ended up settling on the deal for like 200,000 line of credit and a 200,000 buyout for, 15% of the business. We ended up saying yes. We met with one of the judges one time to give another pitch. 
Um, but actually, after that uh, that show, we emailed them saying, "Hey, we actually don't want it." Gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the first one. We got yep. invited back again on the second, uh, the second one after that, which is I think like season five. Yep. Went in for, with Golden Marrow uh, with my cousin. Got all four members of the board to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, went in, asked for a deal. Each of them said yes. And after that episode, we emailed them saying, hey, we don't want to continue with it. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, got you. I see it. A little bit of a, I mean, you get some exposure from that no matter what, right? So. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. cool just being able to go through those stages because then now you know in case in the future you need that. You need that experience, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's dope that you guys went through that. I think just watching that was really cool just to be able to see how things kind of went down there. Um, and also I think just seeing your chemistry with you and your wife, I think that's dope. That's really dope. I think you need that in a partner for sure. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so cool. Let's talk about golden marrow now. I mean, we talked a little bit about honey bell. I think, you know, that one, I think that's a great brand and a really cool brand. Golden marrow. I saw, I was reading your bio on your website. You took some, uh, or you had some people kind of help you guys with that initial idea, like two chefs, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh the idea really, stemmed from our love for bone marrow uh me and iris and uh when we were up in portland we had the the bone marrow right after uh my first thought was you know we're gonna serve this to our community and i knew who to partner up with and it was actually my cousin jackie and her husband jonathan and those are the actual chefs uh those are the chefs that actually have extensive background of culinary arts uh over 20 years combined experience in fine dining cuisine Mm-hmm. So we actually bring that expertise of recipe, food, and and this experience to a food that can only be purchased at fine dining restaurants yep. up until now, mm-hmm. up until now. So, yeah, they're they're the chefs behind, they're the brain behind the uh, the 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 flavors and and all the ingredients. Dope, dope. Oh, what kind of greens do you guys have? I think you had like four or five, right? Or uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're throwing out a lot. Last year, 2019, we ended up with nine flavors. Uh, this year, our prepackaged flavors uh, anywhere from our black garlic glaze, our Korean gochu, bacon jam, uh, our bulgogi Korean, uh, a Korean bulgogi teriyaki. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're coming up with a parmesan, uh, garlic parmesan. Yeah. Uh, we have truffle. And uh, people have been requesting our dessert bone marrow, which is a strawberry shortcake one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the flavors are all around the board, all quality flavors. Um, yeah, the chefs have uh, um, extensive uh, criteria of what it is we need to do before releasing a product out. Gotcha. Yeah, that's dope. I think no one has done anything like that. And I think that that's a huge white space that you guys are tapping into. So that's yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Like uh, you guys have these two businesses. I'm sure managing both businesses is like you got, we're kind of saying a little bit stressful, um, but also great at the same time. Talk about how you kind of find inspiration every day to kind of just keep going. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little yeah. bit. Um, well, one of them definitely uh, reading the stories from the group agent hustle network. Yeah. And just seeing the relentless hustle and the drive from each and every one of them. Yeah. That gets me going and really sees like, wow, you know, anything's possible. 
there are so many, there's 56,000 members in this community and yeah, each of them has their own story, you know, and it just pushes me to be like, you know, I, I got to do what they're doing or I got to learn or I got to reach out to people. So definitely that, uh, the growth, the leadership in, in who I am and the people that I'm able to inspire and, and connect with and, and share with them that, yeah, you know, anything is possible. You know, for me, I really see myself as the visionary and I'm really getting more present to that and really connected with, with that. You know, uh, throughout my life, I never really gave myself uh, a certain role because I kind of, j- I just jumped into the entrepreneurship and, and didn't know, you know, I'm just like, Oh, I can do this and this and this, but I'd never saw myself as great at one thing until more recently, I would say that I'm now working with uh, more, more teams, um, anything from marketing, but also being the connector, mm-hmm. being a connector of, of everyone, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the team of food fest live, we brought together a team of 11 people, uh, golden marrow. We brought together a team of four, uh, who, who, who operated now too. So, being the connector and, and, and marketing. Yeah. I, I kind of got lost in, in what you just totally asked, but yeah, that's kind of the background. No, that's yeah. dope. I, I think, I think you answered it right away, which was, I just yeah. kind of asked for your inspiration every day and, uh, Oh, got it. Got you answered it, it yeah. with, you know, seeing everybody's stories. I think that that's exactly right. I think that that's where it yeah. comes to is, yeah. you know, people that look like me and you and, uh, or just anybody in our kind of circles and just having the energy kind of flow through all of us and be like, wow, the person's really doing some dope stuff. Like I got to up my game or I got to be able to get on the same level so we can, we can both make some impact, you know? Yeah. Um, I I got to add one more thing. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's definitely my, my parents too. Uh, this is like definitely more recent, um, more, more recent than ever just to see the hard work that they've put in. My dad and mom came from Vietnam, not knowing a lick of English. I'm sure, you know, a lot of us, I would say a lot of us, but uh, a lot of people can relate in, in that sense, just coming from Vietnam, not knowing a lick of English, uh, to creating the dream of, uh, the, the house of his dreams, uh, to provide for three children who he had no idea or, or expect to, to do, uh, in, in his life. So yeah, definitely that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, talk a little bit about, I mean, we talked a little about Asian hustle group. How did that happen? Were you kind of in the very beginning stages? Um, I know Brian and Maggie were kind of like the people that are heading that, uh, but I, it seems like you were super involved. I didn't know exactly how involved you were, uh, with, with that. That's an amazing. Group. Yeah. 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 I wasn't so, you know, actually I don't want to say I wasn't involved because right when I was added into the community at around 2000, I immediately was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, even within the 2000 members, uh, I saw that this was my group of people. This yeah. was my group of people that understood what we were going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the hustle that we had and also, um, yeah, the, the hustle, the hustle. And, uh, when, when I was added in, I just immediately contributed and I, and I saw like, you know, how can I continue to contribute yeah. to everything that that's been going on here? Uh, and, and how can I also learn too? So as the community started growing, uh, by the thousands every day, I just saw, and, and I continue welcoming people to make sure that this was the foundation of what this community is about. 
that this was not like, hey, let's go flex on on what we have. You know, like yep. we have the gyms, we have the gyms to flex, but yeah. this is the space to really be authentic yep. and and genuine and open and supportive. So that's you know, it's still at fifty six thousand, still that same space. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think I came in around like maybe ten to twelve thousand people, um, and. Yeah, I could just I could just tell I could just see that authenticity there, and it wasn't really about flexing, or it wasn't really about like trying to take anything from anybody. It was more like how can we all provide value for everybody to be able to grow together. I think that that's been the same message and mission throughout the whole time that I've been involved. So, um, a super dog group. If you have if you have not joined the group, make sure to do so. Um, talk a little bit about. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do you kind of focus on now? What does business look like in twenty twenty? Uh, how are you adjusting to things moving forward? I mean, you guys made a whole e-commerce shop when you guys weren't. So what, what are some things? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be focusing on rebranding uh, Golden Merrill. So it's like Golden Merrill 2.0 uh, from actual box packaging to yep. shipping out nationwide. Yeah. That, that's what we have. Yeah. For, for Golden Merrill. For, awesome. for food. Yeah. Yeah. For Food Fest Live, continue pushing. Uh, we have a great team um, and just continue supporting the, the, our local favorite restaurants. You know, we want to expand to different cities, of course, and then have uh, moderators ar- around those cities. So that, that's another thing. And uh, with Honeybell, it's tightening up the, the little holes that we've had uh, throughout these past couple of years and, and really um, building a foundation. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dope. Dope. Um, super cool. I think those are some great ideas. I think what's also dope about what you're doing is, uh, giving back with Golden Merrill with your profits. But also I think I just saw like Honey Bell has donated, uh, 24,000 meals. Um, mm. so that's huge with Feeding America. So that, that's huge. Yeah. So that's really cool. And I think that you guys are doing some great stuff there. Um, a couple of last questions here. So what's kind of like the best and worst thing about uh, being an entrepreneur? Man, um, there's no one under you to have you grow. Like you're going to have to have that mindset to just take it on. And, and as a entrepreneur, you're going to want to do a lot of things. You know, this past week I had, I had overwhelm. I had this mental breakdown um, where I just wanted to quit. I just wanted to quit and I just wanted to just not do anything. You know, I, uh, I ended up uh, having a couple of days, one, one night where I just ended up just crying in Iris in, in, with Iris in, in bed. And I'm like, no, fuck this. I don't want to do any of this. I don't want to be responsible for any of, any of this. But, yep. uh, you know, a couple of days in spending with family and, and really, knowing who I am and, and what I've created and, and knowing the future that I want to create, I know what I'm committed to. And, and my commitment is, is really to continue growing and, and not giving up uh, uh, when times are, are tough, you know? And um, so it, yeah, definitely. Like I would say that's one of the hardest things as, as an entrepreneur, it's like coping with all that and knowing that you're going to have to go through this because if you want growth, you know, there, there's plenty, there's, there's a lot of pain and pleasure that, that comes with it and you just have to stick it out. And, and what I love about, uh, uh, being, uh, having this as my path, uh, my career path is, is that anything's possible. 
I'm meeting so many people. I'm meeting so many resources. I'm meeting, uh, like seeing so many things I have never seen in my life, uh, mm. that were going to be attainable if I did not put myself in this position. I agree, man. Uh, I agree with everything you said, especially with the, there's going to ha- be some days in this career path where you're just not going to want to do anything because, mm. um, this type of career path, everything's kind of on you and every day you have to show up and uh, there's going to be some days where you, you don't want to be able to, you don't want to have to show up, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, it could be tough. I mean, just like you, I mean, this past weekend, I, I believe like there was a couple of days where I was just like, man, I don't really want to be doing what I'm doing right now. I just want to be able to chill like all my buddies are, but you know, sometimes you're just like, well, you know, what's the main goal? What, why'd you really start? You know, you just have to keep reminding yourself of that. And uh, like you said, this is something I committed to. This is something I built. Just got to keep going with it. Um, but also I really love what you said about, you know, the best thing about being an entrepreneur too. I think that, 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 that that's super dope. Um, lastly, I usually like to end the, the uh, podcast, but this is what would you tell somebody that wants to be the next Calvin Hang, someone that's wants to start businesses like you? Mm, um, an idea is just an idea if it's stuck in your head, man. Uh, if you want the idea to become into something, if you want the idea to come into reality, just putting, just, just putting in the work 1% at a day to make that dream a reality. Yeah. Because all this that have been created was just a vision, man. Yeah. It was just a dream. It was, it's crazy. I, I would never just thought that um, we would be where we're at uh, with the businesses. You know, at the end of the day for Golden Marrow, it's like people are hyped up about bone marrow. Mm-hmm. I have never seen that before, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I am hyped up about bone marrow and I love bone marrow. Yeah. And I think that because my love and passion for bone marrow uh, is out in this world, people resonate with that. And, and it's very um contagious yeah very contagious yeah yeah so yeah follow that vision follow that path um you know put one percent towards it every day and and you'll grow over time agreed yeah it's funny that you said that because um i i just put out a facebook that that said refuse the what ifs and lean more into the oh wells Meaning, mm. you know, instead of just thinking about it, actually try it out. And if you fail, then oh well, you know, but you rather, you rather fail than mm. in the what if stage, you know, because then you'll know. So, um, yeah, super dope, bro. Uh, cool. I thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you and your wife with everything you guys are doing. Uh, stay safe and stay well. Um, again, appreciate you being on, bro. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can reach out to us on all the social channels at 81st Ave. I'm Christian Yang and you've been listening to the Expectations Podcast from 81st Ave.